We, uh, we've been in a series over the last few weeks talking about encountering Jesus, and we've been following this uh, book by a brilliant author, a brilliant theologian called Tim Keller. We're going to unpack it a little bit more, but before we do look at an encounter that Jesus has with Mary Magdalene, which we're going to look at in a moment, I, I, I was pondering this during the week. Why, why the heck do we come out on a Sunday? Like, why are we here? Some of you are thinking the same yourselves this morning. Some of you don't go to church every Sunday, and you're like, oh my goodness, I had to put the suit on, or the wife told me I've got to look smart this morning, and all the rest, and you're here, and you're just like, and, and then there's, there's other of us who, we do this week in, week out, and you're looking at us thinking, oh, I'd rather be in my bed this morning. And, you know, there's some of us, what, what, what is the point? What is the purpose? The purpose has to be about coming to encounter his presence. If we're not coming each and every week to this place or to whichever church that you come from, you're members of other churches and you're so welcome, please take our blessing and take it back and send it uh, wherever you've come from. But unless we're encountering the presence of Jesus in the time that we come, we may as well pack up now, grab a coffee, have a chit-chat, a bit of social stuff and go. It has to be about encountering him. And when we encounter him, he changes us on the inside out. I want to look at the story of uh, Mary Magdalene. There's many of them. Um, this is after the cross. Jesus has been obedient to the Father. He has uh, suffered. He has been flogged. He has been nailed to a cross. And he has lay in the tomb for the three days. And we're on... Uh, Easter Sunday, the first day, we're going to read the story, the words of the, uh, of the story are going to come up on the screen, we're going to read them through, then we're going to unpack a few things and see how does it apply to our lives today. And so hopefully the words will come, and um, you can see there this different coloration. I do that on my notes because it helps me know who's talking. The black stuff is the narrator, you're going to see some green stuff, that's Mary, you're going to see red stuff, that's Jesus, and, um, and there's someone else involved uh, as well the angels they're in yellow you're going to come to those here we are we're in john 20 verse 1 to 18 early on the first day of the week while it was still dark mary magdalene went to the tomb she saw the stone that had been removed from the entrance so she came running to simon peter and the other disciple the one jesus loved and said they have taken the lord out of the tomb we don't know where they have put him so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, and she told them that he was said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. This is true. It happened. It is written. It is documented. It is translated into our language so that we can, in our 21st century, read it, learn from it, understand it, and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to teach us new, fresh things about who he is and how we relate to him uh, in our days. I want to unpack a a thing this morning called faith. Uh, Whenever I was... um, when I was thinking about this, I thought of the, uh, the song. You remember the song? Those of you my generation, you've got to have faith. The George Michael one and the, the, the boot going. And Chantel's already embarrassed right beside me here. And I'm not even going to begin to try and sing the first line of it. But we will, no, 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 no. We'll save that for another day. Uh, but Wikipedia says that faith is a strong belief in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual conviction rather than proof. Whereas Keller, who's writing the book that I'm reading and it's really, really helpful, he says that faith is both impossible and rational. Both impossible and rational. We're going to unpack what that means. And he's not saying it's, um, it's impossible to have faith in Jesus, but it requires a rational approach and a revealing of God himself to us. This first Christian... This first evangelist comes in the form of a woman. Her name is Mary. And she declares that to Jesus upon his resurrection in this story, which we're going to unpack this morning. But it required Jesus to reveal himself to her in order that she might have faith and believe in him. And we're going to look at what that means as we go through this this morning. You see, without Jesus revealing himself to her, she would have been blind to see who he was. We sang the song, classic, unbelievable classic song, written many, many, many years ago now, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound, to save a wretch like me. I was blind, but now I see. And those of you who are Christians here, and you've followed Jesus, you claim to know him, and you claim to, uh, to enter into good relationship with him, You will testify. That's a Christian word that we use. It's a bit jargony. You will tell of the time when you know that he had revealed himself to you in such a way that it made you respond. And it made you respond by saying, yes, Lord, by choosing to give your life to him and follow him. Mary and the disciples were blind to see that Jesus Uh, was going to return after his death. And you can imagine, I mean, we can read the story and go, duh, how are they so dumb? 
How did they not see it? Jesus continually was telling the disciples, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to rise again. In Mark chapter 8, he says that he must be killed and after three days rise again. In Mark chapter 9, it says the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. And in Mark chapter 10, guess what he says? Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priest. Blah, 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 blah. Three days later he will rise again. Three chapters, Mark 8, 9 and 10 says it. Jesus was continually saying it to his disciples. This is what will happen. And yet they missed it. They completely missed it. Now, Jesus' enemies were aware of the claims that he was making. They had heard these similar stories too. And they knew this. And the reason that we know this is because the enemies placed a guard at the tomb. They guarded, they had Roman soldiers actually guarding it. The reason being, they didn't want any of the Jesus followers to come and actually take the body away. And so then they could have just proved it that, oh, that, that just happened and someone else did that. So they actually placed a guard against the tomb. Jesus' followers missed it. And even though, uh, rather, Peter and John, they run even though the, the Lord has been taken from the tomb and this has happened and they're aware of this, their immediate response isn't, oh, maybe he's risen again. They assume the worst and they think someone has actually taken him away. Why weren't they seeing this miracle? How did they not uh, come to realize that an amazing miracle like this could have taken place? Sure, they'd seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Why were they so blind to see? There are two possible reasons. The first one is it was simply inconceivable for a first century Jewish man to be risen from the dead. It just was not in their way of thinking. The same was true uh, for the Greeks and the Romans as well. This, uh, this understanding or this belief that a resurrection, a real rising from death to life physically was possible and the second simply is this is that they were inherently spiritually blind and we would include ourselves in that we're blind to see what's going on around us we're blind to see what's actually happening in the world today and in our own lives and uh, good things happen and sad things happen and bad things happen and if we would just take a step back and actually see with the eyes that Jesus gives us we would make a whole lot more sense to what's going on in our lives. Faith is impossible without intervention. And Jesus needed to reveal himself first to Mary and then later to the disciples. Why did Jesus first appear to a woman? You ever pondered that one? Well, the, the Bible scholars and the historians, the experts, they would tell you that um, a woman could not testify in a Jewish court. Her testimony or her story would be deemed as not trustworthy uh, in those days. And so if you were fabricating a story, meaning if you were going to make something up about a, a possible rising from the dead, 
you wouldn't have actually made up a story that the first person that had actually been there and spoken to Jesus was a woman. And yet it was her story that told the disciples and told everyone else that he'd risen. So if this didn't happen or if it was all make-believe, you wouldn't have made it up that it was a woman who was the one who'd first encountered Jesus. The second important point, too, before we get to the encounter, is Simon Peter, bold old Simon, who's a really rubbish runner, by the way. I mean, John, he was there like minutes before. Peter probably was uh, packing a bit of weight and uh, got there eventually. But instead of waiting outside the tomb like John cautiously was, Simon Peter, old brave and bold, goes straight in. And he's there, and it says in here, he saw the strips of linen lying there. The linen that would have been wrapped around the body of Jesus. And the cloth that was placed upon his head was lying there neatly in place inside the tomb. And it says that Peter saw. Now, the the word saw in the Greek is a word called blepo. And the word translated better isn't just seeing, but is pondering, is thinking through what's happened. And you can imagine, it's a bit like a crime scene. If any of you watch those CSI type programs, you see it, they they enter a crime scene and they, they stop, they don't rush in and kind of mess all up the evidence. They stop and they ponder and they see and they think about what might have happened. Why is that body lying that way? Why is there the the murder weapon? I'm thinking it's like Cluedo, isn't it? The candlestick kind of lying this particular way. Why is there, you know, you stop and you ponder and you begin to think through what's happened. And that's what happens here with Peter. He rushes into the empty tomb and he stops and he sees and he ponders and he thinks, why on earth are the grave clothes like this? Why are they even there? If robbers had come, surely they wouldn't have unwrapped a dead body and taken a naked dead body away and left these cloths like this. Surely something's happened. Why are they so neat? Why have they been left like this? John follows Peter and he also saw and he believed. I love it that right now in the life of our church, we we run a group called Alpha. Alpha is well, well known and has been attended by millions of people. That is not an exaggeration across the world. Millions of people who are interested, who are asking these questions, who are pondering faith. The problem today isn't so much about relationship with God. People today often have have an issue with the church and And sometimes uh, the way that we do things, people today are so open and interested in knowing the person of Jesus. And right now, the Alpha course is running, and we have a number of people who are asking these questions. And it's really important for someone who doesn't yet know Jesus that we ask these questions. I was a 16-year-old, young, confused lad uh, when I became a Christian. And I'm just a middle-aged, confused lad now, some might say. But as I became a Christian, it, it, it was like it, two things were happening. One, 
was I was confused and I was questioning and I suffered greatly from all kinds of anxiety and uh, and I didn't know where to go. I legitimately, genuinely didn't know where to go. And I started kind of praying. I started asking, you know, God, if you're there, help. They were honest prayers. And actually, some of our prayers, our best prayers are the honest ones. The ones that come from this deep, uh, this depth within us of desperation. And I was praying these things. And as I was praying, God was just revealing himself to me. Just showing me himself in a way that I couldn't explain. I couldn't explain it to anyone. And those of us, again, you've encountered relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about. You can testify. You can tell your own story as well. And I think that for me, a time came when it became a question of like, God had revealed himself in such a way that I had to respond. I had to make some decision. And I could have gone one of two ways. I could have said, you know, do you know what? God, that's great, but um, I'm really happy doing X, Y, and Z, which is actually what did happen. I was really quite content doing things I'm not going to repeat in church. Uh, But at the same time, I knew it was right to actually follow and have relationship with God. So how does Mary see? How does she come? The encounter that Jesus has with her. She's outside the tomb. She leans in. You can imagine, she leans into this empty kind of cave and she sees these two angels. And she says to them, they've taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. Right now, she's not thinking he's risen. She's not, that's not even in her mind. She thinks someone's stolen him. He doesn't go, oh, well, just look around you. Just find out who, you know, where, where this person might be. She spends a bit more time there. And then Jesus reveals himself to her. And at first she thinks that he's the gardener. And he doesn't go, ta-da, here I am. You dummy. How many times did I tell you? He doesn't do that. He does what God frequently does in the Bible when his people are slightly at error or mistaken. He doesn't reveal himself straight away, but he asks questions. Like in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve, he says, where are you? How did you come to feel shame? He doesn't point out our errors straight away. He asks questions. And like a counselor who's trained to help people, uh, they don't tell them how to live. They're trained to ask good questions. And that's what Jesus does with Mary. He says, woman, why are you crying? And the second thing he says is, who is it that you're looking for? Mary completely misses the point. And misses who it is that's even speaking those questions to him. She says to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him. And I'll go and get him. And Jesus is like, I've had enough. I've had enough. I'm going to tell you who I am. And he just says one word. Mary. Mary. And at that 
point, in that moment, by speaking her very name, very personal to her, she sees who he is. Her eyes are open. Not just her eyes, her heart is open. Like the good shepherd who knows his sheep and calls his sheep by name, she, he calls her name Mary. Like all of the names that came up on the screen and all the names of the dear children represented here, loved, cherished, cared for by their parents, by their grandparents, championed and cheered on by friends, people who've come and given little gifts and parents going, oh, you shouldn't have, but you're thinking, that'd be nice, I'll have a look at that later. Call them by name. He knows us and he calls us by name. You can imagine, she throws her arms around him. Oh my goodness, it's you, it's you, Jesus. It really is you, I can't believe this. Jesus says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go instead and tell the others. Jesus deliberately chooses to reveal himself to a woman rather than a man. Jesus chooses to reveal himself first to a demoniac. That means someone that had demons inside them and not a pillar of society. Jesus chose to reveal himself to a member of the support crew, not one of the disciples. That's so Jesus, isn't it? Revealing himself to the last, the least, the lost. Not to the ones that we think that he might do that. And so Mary becomes the first Christian. In fact, she's an evangelist. An evangelist is a, is a fancy Christianly name that we use for telling other people about Jesus. She goes and she tells the disciples, he's here, he's here, he's really here. And so we see that faith is impossible unless he reveals himself to us. And we learn from this story that this one story doesn't fit all. This was her story. And each of us in our room, we have our own story. Jesus spends days and days revealing himself to other people in different ways. To Peter, he needed to be restored. And he needed a heart-to-heart, one-to-one conversation with Jesus to get right with him. Mate, you said you weren't going to let me down. And you did it. But it's okay, I love you. To the other disciples, he reveals himself. He cooks breakfast for them on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. To Thomas, dear old Thomas, he gets a rough time. I'm sure we would have been the same ourselves. He would not believe, he would not have had faith unless he was able to put his hands into the hole in Jesus' side and actually feel and see the holes on his hands and on his feet. And Jesus lovingly and graciously revealed himself to him in that way. And he reveals himself to us in different ways. So that we might have faith and believe, but only as he reveals himself to us.